0: This is the Return to Order Moment with Edwin Benson, bringing you insights, analysis, and information for a culture in crisis.
1: America is at the crossroads. Can we choose the right path? All the world's societies draw near a crossroad. A time of decision approaches. Will we continue down the absurd and selfish path that society has taken for the past several centuries, or will we take a careful look at the signs and select a new path? These questions are too large to be answered in a half-hour podcast. All we can do here is to raise the question and suggest a course of action. Mr. John Horvat gives us a signpost in his essay, Why Metaphysics Can Fix America's Mess.
0: These are anti-metaphysical times. Most people don't realize it because they know nothing about metaphysics and how it affects their lives. However, Rejecting metaphysics has tragic consequences for individuals and society in general. An anti-metaphysical world gives rise to individuals who fail to ponder things deeply, skimming the surface of life. Such habits result in persons without certainties, convictions, or principles. Society also suffers because there can be no unity when there are no certainties, convictions, or principles. As this advances, polarization occurs because people can no longer understand the things that might unite them. America's missing metaphysics need not be complicated. It only needs to address the fundamental notion of things. Metaphysics is the science of determining the real nature of things, thus allowing people to perceive the meaning, structure, and principles of whatever exists. With this foundation, it is easy to establish certainties and thus facilitate unity and communication. Without realizing it, the innocent child constantly explores the frontiers of metaphysics in the quest to know the world. Throughout life, virtuous people refine their notions of reality and act accordingly. The key is to know things as they are. For example, a metaphysical concept of book would be to consider it to be a bound set of written or printed sheets of paper. Using this concept in everyday life... A person can classify as a book all that conforms to this general notion. Any discussion of a book outside this idea leads to absurdity and disconnection from reality. When people stay within the notion of what a book is, an immense variety of books can be imagined and produced, including magnificent, splendorous, or banal books, large, regular, and miniature books, Page turners and books that are unappealing. Rare, new, and used books. Thus, metaphysics is the foundation of logic, discussion, and debate. It makes progress possible by anchoring the notions of things in reality. It allows the creative imagination to soar while keeping the person away from dangerous fantasy disconnected from reality. Take metaphysics away, and there is no common understanding that can enable communication. This sets the stage for chaos. The modern world has long had a problem with metaphysics. Indeed, modernity seeks to dominate nature, not to understand it. It wants to bend nature to the will of humanity, Its philosophers see metaphysical definitions and categories as restrictive and tend to minimalize them. Modern man limits his understanding of what things are to what helps dominate nature. Industrial society needs logical and stable systems based on the nature of things. Anything more profound is dismissed as irrelevant. Domination leads to the desire to determine what things are based on personal subjectivity. The postmodernity of the 60s changed everything. If modernity dominates nature, postmodernity annihilates it. Its philosophers respect neither rules nor limits. They quote-unquote deconstruct every historical narrative and truth, so that by tearing them down, no coherent whole survives. Postmodernity annihilates metaphysics because it does not recognize the nature of anything. It celebrates absurdity. Thus, the notion of book is whatever a person determines it to be, even if it's a lamppost. A man is not a man but something determined by a preferred pronoun. Nothing can be known with certainty. Thus, popular culture reflects a society unanchored from reality and certainties where anything is possible. In such a world, the unbridled imagination rules. The most bizarre things can be called art or music. Where absurdity is enthroned, unity becomes impossible. St. Augustine once defined a people as, quote, a gathered multitude of rational beings united by agreeing to share the things they love, unquote. As long as people can agree that there are objective notions of things that can be loved, a unified society is possible. People might disagree on the expression of the things loved. They might even advance in unity by proposing more sublime manifestations of such things. Societies like this can progress. Modernity's liberal society agreed to share things in the shallowest ways to make room for its deep individualism and industrial progress. Alas, at least Classical liberals agreed that there were shareable things and that they were indeed things. Postmodernity destroys society because it does not believe that things have determined natures. Thus, there is nothing to share or love. There is only the chaotic clash of subjective perceptions informed by unbridled passion. When perceptions are not anchored in metaphysics, nothing can be defined. Such societies fall apart. An anti-metaphysical world is both unintelligible and inhospitable. The march to absurdity has been long developing. A refusal to acknowledge the nature of things comes from a failure to recognize a divine and intelligent cause. When modernity detached itself from God and His providence, it struck at the heart of true metaphysics. Science dominated nature and gradually dethroned nature's God. Without God, who created all things, it becomes impossible to understand the nature of things and their reason and purpose in the order of the universe. Creation only makes sense in light Of the Creator. Postmodernity's process of deconstruction and annihilation is now reaching its end with rejection and even hatred of the Creator and the order he established in the universe. It has reached a point of no return. Christian civilization was a time of metaphysics. People understood the nature of things because they saw the Creator reflected in his creation and desired to know Him better through His works. Moreover, they perceived human society as an integral part of a divinely ordered universe positioned in time. The wisdom of God's providence governed this universe, often through secondary causes. Above all, God was the supreme point of unity, both loved and shared by peoples. The problems of society today cannot be reduced to economic, political, or even cultural crises. Above all, this metaphysical crisis undermines certainties, principles, and meaning. Fragmented minds and societies are the result. As society reaches its final stages of decay, the price of denying reality will prove ever greater awakening people to their folly and ruin. A metaphysical crisis of vast proportions awaits a world that has long ignored essential questions to its peril. Thus, there needs to be a return to order re-establishing metaphysics to know the true nature of things. God the Creator will then be acknowledged and people will share again the things that they love. That will make society whole once more, and there will be unity and peace.
1: The United States passed a major milestone in 1973, when the Supreme Court decided the case of Roe v. Wade. That day, we abandoned the culture that prized human life. Today, one person's whim can end the life of another. When that happened, the basic nature of human life was suddenly up for reconsideration. When we were born, at least those of us born before ultrasound imaging, one of the first things that happened was the doctor said, it's a boy or, or it's a girl. At that point, much of our future lives had been determined as a function of having a God-given masculine or feminine nature. In his essay,
0: Why the Abortion and Transgender Issues Are Two Sides of the Same Coin, Mr. Horvat examines the connection between these two vital issues. Many liberals condemn the fight against abortion because they say it is a single issue that has dominated the political landscape. They say that other problems also need attention and are not addressed because of the raging debate over this highly polarizing point. In a certain sense, the liberals are right. However, they are also wrong. On the one hand, Abortion is a single issue that has taken on huge importance. On the other, it is tied to other problems that take society down the slippery slope of self-destruction. Such conclusions are not coming only from rabid pro-lifers blowing things out of all proportion. No, liberals correctly admit that everything is linked. It is much better to take their word for it. Indeed, the New York Times opinion writer Jay Boylan says it all with an article entitled Abortion Rights and Trans Rights Are Two Sides of the Same Coin. Anyone having any doubt will find Boylan consistent with liberal dogmas. Anyone who does not know where the pro-abortion position leads has only to follow this article's twisted logic. The central theme of this quote-unquote transgendered author is that the state does not have the right to limit what one can or cannot do with one's body. Thus, abortion is limited to the trans movement and all sexual deviations and lifestyles. The state must provide the quote-unquote health care of abortion and gender transition. It is essentially the same thing. It is no coincidence, the article's author maintains, that Planned Parenthood is also quote, one of the top providers for trans people's health care nationwide, unquote. The author reports that trans activists are also increasingly involved in fighting for abortion. When quote, unquote, bodily autonomy is considered absolute, any rejection is tyranny. If that liberal doctrine is accepted, then public nudity and lewdness cannot be banned, for they would be hailed as expressions of personal freedom. The erroneous underlying principle would also justify public or private sexual activity with animals and inanimate things. Every choice of life must be left to the individual, as in the case of assisted suicide. All these activities must be sanctioned, encouraged, and, if necessary, paid for by the state. Anyone who opposes this scorched morals offensive is accused of imposing personal religious beliefs and morality upon others. However, liberals happily force the ideology of, quote, turning bodily autonomy into an absolute, unquote, on culture education, and society. Thus, for leftists, the supreme law becomes the individual seeking the false absolute freedom of doing whatever that person wants. In addition, while this freedom is considered absolute and supreme, leftists hold that the freedom of other beings is not to be considered. The unborn child is not another human being, who should logically be regarded as being supreme as anyone else, but an obstacle to the mother's absolute freedom that must be eliminated. All those crushed by the destructive choices of individuals seeking absolute freedom have no say in their own destruction. Under this false notion of freedom, the individual determines reality. There is no such thing as human nature. Being human is whatever the person decides it to be, even if it is inhuman. Thus, persons must be free to self-identify as whatever the imagination proposes. In this postmodern world, fantasy rules and nothing is anchored in reality. True freedom consists of living in accordance with human nature, which allows the person to develop maximum potential. This effort often involves self-discipline and restrictions that keep the person from being enslaved by their own disordered passions. When individuals determine reality, no objective norms of behavior or morality can govern everyone according to a common human nature. There are no societal norms, tried and true over generations, that guarantee society's good order, proper functioning, and perpetuation. Above all, there can be no natural law written in the hearts of all that shows people how they must act in accordance with human nature. Moreover... There can be no supreme lawmaker who, by this law, desires the happiness of those he created. None of these truths exist in this distorted negation of reality. Only the individual driven by unbridled passions exists in a separate imaginary world. These disordered passions enslave individuals, depriving them of true freedom. Indeed. All issues are linked. The pro-life debate is not about health care, but the struggle between two irreconcilable worldviews. One that is true, and another that is false. The fantasy flight away from reality will end in tragedy. A person's efforts to create a separate universe reveal a desire to be God. When reality intervenes, such fantasy universes always fall apart. And the individual, unable to be a god, plunges into nihilism.
1: Sometimes, most people are tempted to give in to despair. After all, the pro-life movement has worked to get Roe overturned ever since the evil day that the Supreme Court announced it. In fact, no one under the age of 50 can remember a time when procured abortion was illegal in the United States. Leftists want pro-lifers to give up. That is the reason that they are so quick to declare that Roe v. Wade is settled law. It isn't. It cannot be. Because an evil law is no law at all. One day, it will be changed. One day, all will be guaranteed the right to be born. Understanding this truth is vital. So Mr. Horvat asked a very important question in the title of his essay, What Will a Post-Roe America Look Like?
0: The debate over Roe v. Wade is coming to a close. Regardless of the judicial decisions still pending, the legal underpinnings of the disastrous death sentence for millions are crumbling. Abortion is de facto unavailable in vast areas of the nation— because an enormous sector of the American public rejects it. And so it will remain. The Texas Heartbeat Act, for example, effectively stopped most of the killing in a whole state for a significant period. No amount of legal gymnastics or expected judicial betrayal is going to change this picture. Whatever happens, America is irreparably divided by the issue. The seemingly impossible task has been accomplished. Quote unquote, settled law has become unsettled. Thus, we must think of the post row America that approaches. We must employ the same strategies to change mentalities in the other areas that made row possible. The temptation is to turn the post row America into the pre row nation. However, pro-lifers know that nothing will be resolved if we only return the availability of abortion to the states. Procured abortion is just as atrocious in New York as it is in Mississippi. Pro-lifers have worked just as hard in California as in Missouri. The post-Roe America must end all abortion. We cannot rest until America is freed from this scourge. Like the pro-abortion side, we must be convinced that this is an all-or-nothing proposition. Going back to 1972 will only prepare the way for another 1973 decision. Looking beyond Roe, we must continue to frame the debate as a moral issue. The pro-abortionists hoped to make abortion a simple women's health issue. They failed. By elevating abortion to a moral issue, the pro-life side forced the public to make a right or wrong judgment. There is no comfortable middle or neutral position regarding abortion. The left cannot win moral debates because it must scandalously deny that objective morality exists. Keeping the discussion in the moral realm is the only path to an abortion-free America. A second consideration for a post-Roe America is to realize that abortion is not a single issue. The left perceives this truth well, better than the right. And that is why it fears the pro-life movement. They know that opposition to abortion necessarily leads to a broad spectrum of moral issues that must also be resolved if America is to be truly post-Roe. A genuinely pro-life position must attack the moral issues that gave rise to Roe. It must challenge the sexual revolution of the 60s that unleashed a destruction of social mores and institutions that once safeguarded the family, society, and religion. Abortion made this destruction possible by taking away the consequences of the sexual act. It is not the cause of this destruction, but the effect of a revolt against the moral order. Thus, any future effort to combat abortion must deal with these causes. We must address positive issues like modesty, purity, honor, and marriage. It also presupposes opposing the enslaving influence of promiscuity, contraception, vulgarity, and unnatural vice. With the same dogged determination that we turned society against abortion— We must find ways to reintroduce these themes to the younger generations that thirst for certainties that only a moral order can provide. A final consideration about the coming post-Roe America is the need to keep exposing the errors of the other side. The pro-abortion advocates long lived off the lie that everyone supported its distorted worldview— and only a backward minority opposed it. By creating the impression of an overwhelming consensus, the pro-abortion movement hoped to ramrod abortion upon America with little opposition. It especially spread the myth that most young people and women favored the killing of innocents. The pro-life movement defeated this lie by recruiting the people who were supposed to oppose abortion. The movement swelled its ranks with women. Many of its youths even proudly proclaim themselves the pro-life generation. We must make the same effort to expose the errors of the crumbling liberal order that deceives everyone into thinking that life has no meaning and purpose beyond our own gratification. This fundamental premise lies at the foundation of abortion. Only when it is defeated will America be safe from the return of infanticide. Such a task is not impossible, since the left is destroying the liberal premises upon which our promiscuous society is built. The left is extinguishing liberal certainties and freedoms and thus hurling us toward a dark nihilism. Above all, Liberalism is dying because the disorder is such that we can no longer maintain the absurd fiction of a secular world that must function without God. Thus, a post row America must embrace a return to order, morality, and God. This change will not come by imposing a set of rules or court rulings like the left does. It will involve much effort and suffering. Indeed, this profound change of mentality will result from a thirst for truth, a quest for the sublime and the actions of God's grace. Hostro-America must address the very important existential questions that modernity never wanted to solve. Now, in the watershed of our post-modernity, they come back to haunt us. If we satisfy the yearnings of so many restless souls for these eternal things, America will remain
1: post row This concludes America is at a crossroads. Can we choose the right path? Thank you so much for listening. Return to Order, of which this podcast is only a part, strives to be a source of light in a dark and disordered world. Your prayers are appreciated. If you have enjoyed this podcast, we ask you to subscribe and give us a five-star rating with the service through which you are listening to it. Increased subscriptions and high ratings mean that more people will be directed to the Return to Order moment when searching for new podcasts. So, by rating us, you can help Return to Order be more effective. In addition... Subscribers gain access to all previous episodes of the Return to Order moment. We would also like to recommend the book, which spells out the motivations behind our work. Mr. John Horvath's book, Return to Order, is available as a free download through our website, www.returntoorder.org, or in printed and recorded form through our bookstore. All rights are reserved. Copyright 2021 by the American Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property. T-F-P.